Good evening, everyone. Tonight I'm using a text, probably a compilation of words offered by Zen Master Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, I'm using this text as a basis for this talk. Uh, this book by Thich Nhat Hanh is called No Death, No Fear. And indeed, when we really have seen the deathless, the truth that is beyond birth and death, the side of reality where it is true that we were not born and do not die, grounded in that place, there's no fear. There's no fear. Endless, endless running from death, which can otherwise be the hallmark of our lives, is transformed. Even if we have not completely and clearly seen through to this uh, root. Well, the Buddha simply called it the deathless. Even if um, there is some or a lot of fear of death still present, we can use our understanding of this truth, our ability to ground in this truth to relieve suffering. And Thich Nhat Hanh speaks about this in a very, I find, generally ordinary, sometimes fiery, but um, I think very clear way. And so I've acquired his book from the Hainsboro Public Library. And there's a story on the dust jacket, which I find instructive. It says there's a story about a Zen master whose monastery was overrun by marauding soldiers. When the Zen master did not appear frightened, the general who was coming through got a little irritated by this. I'm adding a little bit to the story on the dust jacket. I've heard this one before, right? The general said, don't you know who I am? I could run my sword through you and not think twice about it. Like, be afraid. Like, I'm here to intimidate you. And the Zen master replied, don't you know who I am? You could run your sword through me and I wouldn't think twice about it. 
I'm going to read the next part too. The Zen master's reaction might seem foreign to those of us who are taught to value life. Life is valuable and truly precious. But do we truly value life, appreciate our life? Or do we simply cling to it out of a desperate fear of the unknown? A fear that when we die, we will face total annihilation. So in Zen practice, um, we bring in as much as possible the awareness of our own death. So this is back to the side of things where we were born and we will die. And we bring in deliberately this awareness of death. Because it's true that we will die. But it's one of those truths that we tend to cover up, go around ignoring. We're bringing forth this truth deliberately is something of a gate to better contact with what is true, with what is true. This can be confusing. I just said there's a truth, we're not born and we don't die. And then I said, well, of course we were born and we die and we want to not ignore that. And I do also believe that life is precious and like, gave whole talks, plural, at Sashin about appreciating life. We are alive. Just not quite in the way we tend to think we are. There's a lot of analogies that talk about self and not self. The truth of self and not self, very closely related to the truth of birth and not birth, death and not death. And Thich Nhat Hanh will go through um, some of these ways of um, seeing things, ways of understanding This paradox that's not really a paradox because there's both sides. There's just, it's all true. <laughs> In our journey of learning to see more and more clearly, we ask, how is it true? How is it true? And we find where we're unclear on the point and we explore it. So one analogy that uh, the Zen master, contemporary Zen master, Shohaku Okamura gives is of a waterfall. 
So it's very clear, perhaps, we look at a waterfall, we call it a waterfall, but is there a waterfall? It's hopefully very clear that what we call a waterfall, what we label Niagara Falls, is not a thing. Every drop of water that falls over that ledge, has it ever fallen over that ledge before? It's this dynamic, literally flowing, not a thing. And what is this? What's a cogent? Certainly worth investigating in the same way. We're only here, certainly as such, as we happen to be coming forth in this particular moment because of causes and conditions. Thich Nhat Hanh says that the, the self is made up of non-self elements. What we call me is made up of all these things that we might not call me by themselves. My parents' attitudes. Anyway, many, many, many angles, infinite angles, really, to get at this, to get at this truth. And Thich Nhat Hanh has some nice ones. So. Turn back to the text. Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh says, in my hermitage in France, there is a bush of japonica, Japanese quince. The bush usually blossoms in the spring, but one winter it had been quite warm and the flower buds had come early. During the night, a cold snap arrived and brought with it frost. The next day while doing walking meditation, I noticed that all the buds on the bush had died. I recognized this and thought, this new year we will not have enough flowers to decorate the altar of the Buddha. A few weeks later, the weather became warm again. As I walked in my garden, I saw new buds on the japonica manifesting another generation of flowers. I asked the japonica flowers, are you the same as the flowers that died in the frost, or are you different flowers? Are you the same as the flowers that died in the frost, or are you different flowers? The flowers replied to me, Thay. Thay is another name used by, or, yeah, used by Thich Nhat Hanh. They, we are not the same, and we are not different. The flowers said, we are not the same, and we are not different. When conditions are sufficient, we manifest. And when conditions are not sufficient, 
we go into hiding. It's as simple as that. Thich Nhat Hanh continues, This is what the Buddha taught. When conditions are sufficient, things manifest. When conditions are no longer sufficient, things withdraw. They wait until the moment is right for them to manifest again. Before giving birth to me, my mother was pregnant with another baby. She had a miscarriage, and that person wasn't born. When I was young, I used to ask the question, was that my brother or was that me? Who was trying to manifest at that time? If a baby has been lost, it means that conditions were not enough for her to manifest. And the child has decided to withdraw in order to wait for better conditions. I had better withdraw. I'll come back soon, my dearest. We have to respect his or her will. If you see the world with eyes like this, you will suffer much less. Was it my brother that my mother lost? Or maybe I was about to come out, but instead I said, it isn't time yet, so I withdrew. Next section is called Becoming Nothing. Our greatest fear is that when we die, we will become nothing. I'm just pausing a bit here. Is that my greatest fear? You know, any time, this is Kojin talking now, um, any time a statement's made, even by someone we really respect, like Thich Nhat Hanh, or even by the Buddha, um, those venerable individuals would themselves say, the Buddha, then, the Buddha himself said, don't believe it just because I said it. Don't believe it just because I said it. Now, if Thich Nhat Hanh says it, it's, it's probably true. It's probably at least got some truth. It might be one of those things where there's different sides to it. And if the Buddha said it, it's probably true. But the Buddha said, don't believe it just because I said it. Check it out for yourself. Check it out for yourself. Our greatest fear is that when we die, we will become nothing. Many of us believe that our entire existence is only a lifespan beginning at the moment we are born or conceived and ending the moment we die. We believe that we are born from nothing and then when we die, we become nothing. So we are filled with fear of annihilation. 
We have this narrow view of who we are. The Buddha had a very different understanding of our existence. It is not the understanding that birth... I'm sorry, it is. The Buddha had this very different understanding of our existence. It is the understanding that birth and death are notions. They are not real. The fact that we think they are true makes a powerful illusion that causes our suffering. The Buddha taught that there is no birth, there is no death, there is no coming, there is no going, there is no same, there is no different, there is no permanent self, there is no annihilation, we only think there is. When we understand that we, who we really are, cannot be destroyed, we are liberated from fear. It is a great relief. We can enjoy life and appreciate it in a new way. We can enjoy life and appreciate it as this ephemeral, flowing, flowing, flowing thing. The same thing happens when we lose any of our beloved ones. When conditions are not right to support life, they withdraw. When I lost my mother, I suffered a lot. When we are only seven or eight years old, it is difficult to think that one day we will lose our mother. Well, he must have lost his mom after that. Eventually, we grow up and we all lose our mothers. But if you know how to practice, when the time comes for the separation, you will not suffer too much. You will very quickly realize that your mother is always alive within you. The day my mother died, I wrote in my journal, a serious misfortune of my life has arrived. I suffered for more than one year after the passing away of my mother. But one night in the highlands of Vietnam, I was sleeping in the hut in my hermitage. I dreamed of my mother. I saw myself sitting with her, and we were having a wonderful talk. She looked young and beautiful, her hair flowing down. It was so pleasant to sit there and talk to her, as if she had never died. When I woke up, it was about two in the morning, and I felt very strongly that I had never lost my mother. The impression that my mother was still with me was very clear. I understood then that the idea of having lost my mother was just an idea. It was obvious in that moment that my mother is always alive in me. I opened the door and went outside. The entire hillside was bathed in moonlight. It was a hill covered with tea plants, and my hut was set beside the temple halfway up, set behind the temple halfway up. Walking slowly in the moonlight through the rows of tea plants, I noticed my mother was still with me. She was the moonlight caressing me as she had done so often, very tender, very sweet, wonderful. 
Each time my feet touched the earth, I knew my mother was there with me. I knew this body was not mine alone, but a living continuation of my mother and my father and my grandparents and my great-grandparents, of all my ancestors. These feet that I saw as, quote, my feet were actually our feet. Together, my mother and I were leaving footprints in the damp soil. From that moment on, the idea that I had lost my mother no longer existed. All I had to do was look at the palm of my hand, feel the breeze on my face or the earth under my feet, to remember that my mother is always with me, available at any time. When you lose a loved one, you suffer, but if you know how to look deeply, you have a chance to realize that his or her nature is truly the nature of no birth, no death. Same as ours, no birth, no death. There is manifestation and there is the cessation of manifestation in order to have another manifestation. You have to be very keen and very alert in order to recognize the new manifestations of just one person. But with practice and with effort, you can do it. So taking the hand of someone who knows the practice, together do walking meditation. Pay attention to all the leaves, the flowers, the birds, and the dewdrops. If you can stop and look deeply, you will be able to recognize your beloved one manifesting again and again in many forms. You will again embrace the joy of life. One more section here. I don't know this name. I will do the best I can. A French scientist whose name is Lavoisier declared, nothing is born, nothing dies. Although he did not practice as a Buddhist, but as a scientist, he found the same truth the Buddha discovered. Our true nature is the nature of no birth and no death. Only when we touch our true nature can we transcend the fear of non-being, the fear of annihilation. The Buddha said that when conditions are sufficient, something manifests, and we say it exists. When one or two conditions fail, and the thing does not manifest in the same way, we then say it does not exist. According to the Buddha, to qualify something as existing or not existing is wrong. In reality, there is no such thing as totally existing or totally not existing. I 
Thich Han says we can see this very easily with television and radio. We may be in a room that has no television or radio. And while we are in that room, we may think that television programs and radio programs do not exist in that room. But all of us know that the space in the room is full of signals. The signals of these programs are filling the air everywhere. We need only one more condition, a radio or a television set. And then many forms, colors, and sounds will appear. It would have been wrong to say that the signals do not exist because we did not have a radio or television to receive and manifest them. They only seemed not to exist because the causes and conditions were not enough to make the television program manifest. So at that moment in that room, we say they do not exist. Just because we do not perceive something, it is not correct to say it does not exist. It is only our notion of being and not being, non-being, that makes us confused. It is our notion of being and non-being that makes us think something exists or something doesn't exist. Notions of being and non-being cannot be applied to reality. Maybe I'll qualify, cannot be helpfully applied to reality. I think it's really important to work with um, what can be somewhat challenging material. Um, yeah, these truths that might run up, rub up against in uncomfortable ways, might rub up against our firmly held beliefs, our existing lens. But if our existing lens, the way we're viewing things, is somehow upside down or um, clouded, then we do well to do the work of improving it, <laughs> fixing it. <laughs> this is what right view means. Hmm? Having the right lens to see things through. Hmm? Right view, also right understanding. You know, these are from the Buddha's Eightfold Path. Um, so I'd love feedback later about how that was to have me mostly read. 
from a book. Um, And I chose to do that because I find Thich Nhat Hanh's presentation of these ideas to be clearer than my own. And I find anyone's presentation of these ideas to be uh, tricky. tricky. So let's talk more and let's look deeply more, look directly more together and come back to the cushion so that these truths um, can reveal themselves more and more in our own lives. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. We'll do the Heart Sutra.